about five months ago, uh, Kevin asked if I'd be willing to sit with a piece of scripture and just let it sort of marinate and in July or June, June, uh, share some things that I've been learning through this psalm. And so um, I've been on a five-month journey of sitting with this text, um, and I say that not to hype it up, uh, because if anything, some of the things I've learned uh, over these last five months have been really, really simple basic reminders and truths. And I'm going to share those with you tonight and invite you into three practices. And before we read Psalm 96, uh, I'm going to share a story with you. And so uh, I did not grow up here in Arizona. I grew up in the suburbs of Chicago. So I grew up in a suburb called Naperville. And I attended a high school called Naperville Central High School, NCHS. And at the high school that I attended, uh, there was this tradition slash competition that took place every year in the spring. And this was essentially a funnier version of like a Miss America pageant, and it was only for senior guys. Senior guys could try out, and it kind of mimicked a Miss America pageant. There was a Q&A session, uh, there was a talent portion, and there was also a sim swimsuit portion to this event. And every year, it was the same amount of contestants. They narrowed it down to 10 senior guys that would compete for the Mr. Central Award. And spring of 2007 rolls around, my senior year of high school. And for some reason, I decide, I'm going to sign up. So, you know, lunch just happened, and they got the sign-outs, and I sign up. And um, I quickly realize I don't know what talent I'm gonna perform when I audition. I was like, maybe I bring out like my really big binder of Pokemon cards I've been collecting since I was eight, like show off my OG Charizard. I got a lot of Pokemon knowledge, but that's not really cool to do when you're a senior in high school. I could sing, but that definitely would make sure, yeah, my daughter's, my daughter's laughing at me. That would not get me into the top 10. And so I signed up. It was too late to unsign up. I signed up and I was talking to um, this girl that I was kind of crushing on at the time. I was telling her, I was like, hey, signed up, but I'm really not sure what talent I'm going to perform. And she's like, well, what if I teach you a dance? I'm like, that's a brilliant idea. Get to hang out with the girl I'm kind of crushing on, learn to dance, you know, win, win. It's like I'm going to be living in like a romantic comedy. I'm going to win this competition, get the girl. Things are going to go really, really well. Well, I had about two weeks to learn to dance, and... Again, for those of you that know me, I am not a good dancer. There is a lot, I lack a lot of rhythm. The top of my body doesn't really connect to the bottom of my body sometimes. It's, it's not a pretty sight when I dance. But this girl was like, hey, don't, don't worry. Let's, let's find a dance that you can learn quickly. And I, for some reason, at this point in my life, I was really into Michael Jackson. And I was like, I want to learn Thriller. And she was also a Michael Jackson fan. I'm like, Perfect. Let's learn Thriller together. And so, did I say she was a dancer? It's an important detail. Did I say that? No. She was a dancer, so she was very qualified. And so we start hanging out after school, weekends. She's teaching me the dance moves. You know, I got like that beginning snap down, and then we progressed to the more elaborate dance moves. And it was going okay. It wasn't going great by any means. But again, I, I had committed this. I was going to get this dance down. And so eventually the, the day arrives where I have to audition for this Mr. Central competition. And I found out there's about 25 people that were auditioning, and again, only 10 were going to make it. 
And auditions were at the end of the day, right? After the bell would ring. So you gotta go through all your classes while you, you know that this is on your mind, right? That's the anticipation. You know what's coming. Well, the final bell rings, and I head over to the auditions. And it was in, the, like, one of those band rooms, you know, where there's, like, a platform, and then there's, like, steps up, like, three different levels. And I walk in, and the, there's some teachers up on that top platform, and uh, there's some senior girls, because they were also on the panel uh, to decide the top ten. And they asked me a few questions as I walked in, and eventually it's time to go. Like, i got to show my talent here. So I go over and plug in my, like, first-gen iPod and scroll to Thriller, and uh, I nailed it. I nailed my dance moves. I don't, God, I got to tell you, I wish my wife could have seen it, because she would be really impressed, but it's probably a good thing we didn't know each other then. I nailed my dance, and at the end of it, I look up and just looking for some sort of, like, affirmation or, like, you know, kind of like a good little thumbs up. Didn't get what I needed from them. That was okay. They thanked me for my time, and I quickly exited through the doors. Um, a few days later, they post the list on the outside of the door, and I find out that I did not make the top 10 for 2007 Mr. Central competition. That year, it went on without me. Now, you may be asking, why is he sharing this story? I, I will tell you. I share this story with you because... I did something very uncharacteristic for me that year. See, I really don't like being the center of attention. Um, I hate stages. I don't like usually people looking at me. I feel the irony right now, I know. I really don't enjoy dancing, so the fact that I chose to dance was just a terrible idea. But there was one thing that I did in that process that I'm really proud about. And that was that I was really vulnerable and I opened myself up to being judged and critiqued and tonight, I want to share my vulnerability with you. I want, not through dancing, may, may you be blessed for that, but I want to share um, the ways that the Spirit's been forming me these last five months. Um, there's a lot of beautiful things I feel like the Spirit's spoken to me, um, but beauty doesn't always come easy. Um, often beauty comes from some pretty messy digging, and uh, I'm going to share a lot of those pieces with you tonight. And so, um, I want to extend an invitation to everyone here to, to engage in some vulnerability as well, uh, to open ourselves up to the Spirit and what the Spirit may want to speak to us tonight. Uh, not in a way that he's up on this high stage behind a table ready to critique us or let us know if we made the top 10 or not, but in a way that will encourage us and come alongside us uh, and maybe renew some hope. And so with that, um, we're going to pray and ask, invite the Spirit to speak. Father God, we, um, man, we thank you that you speak. Um, we thank you that you want to speak to us, God, that you want to meet us uh, where we're at. Whether we come in tonight with heavy burdens or um, lots of joy, God, we thank you that you meet us where we're at. And um, God, we just lay the things that we're carrying tonight before you. We lay the worries, the stresses. We give you all that is on our mind, and we invite you to speak, God, to, to pierce our hearts with some truth tonight. And may we be obedient to listen and willing to sit with your voice as you speak to us, God. In your holy name, amen. 
Well, we're going to be in Psalm 96, and I'm going to invite you uh, to turn there. I'll give you a few seconds if you want to open up your Bibles or your app, and we'll be in Psalm 96. The verses will be on the screen for you. Psalm 96 says this, Sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord, praise his name. Proclaim his salvation day after day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous deeds among all peoples. For great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. He is to be feared above all gods. For all gods, all the gods of the nations are idols. But the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and glory are in his sanctuary. Ascribe to the Lord, all you families of nations. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. Tremble before him, all the earth. Say among the nations, the Lord reigns. The world is firmly established. It cannot be moved. He will judge the peoples with equity. Let the heavens rejoice. Let the earth be glad. Let the sea resound in all that is in it. Let the fields be jubilant and everything in them. Let all the trees of the forest sing for joy. Let all creation rejoice before the Lord. For he comes, he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples in his faithfulness. As I read this psalm, one of the first things that stuck out to me were verses 4 and 5. My eyes, and more likely my heart, kept being drawn to these two verses. And it was almost like, really, it was one word, and the rest of it was just sort of fading uh, and became blurry. And my, my eyes kept coming back to that word, idols. See, I, I've always known that I can have idols, and I've been a part of DNA groups and MCs where we've talked about idols. But I really found as I sat with this scripture, I was struggling to name a specific idol for myself. Not because they weren't there, but it was requiring a lot of mental and heart work to name one of my idols. And so I began asking the question, God, will you show me my idols? And he was very quick to respond. A little quicker than I was expecting. But I asked the question. One of the first things that came up for me was the idol of comfort. See, I love comfort. I love comfortable clothes, comfortable shoes, comfortable beds, comfortable couches, comfy blankets. A perfect day for Nick Johnson is it's like 55 degrees outside, it's winter, it's raining, and I just get to lay on the couch with a comfy blanket. Like, and Uber Eats is also delivering food all day. It's just like the perfect day. It's full of comfort. Comfort food. I could eat mac and cheese any day. Chicago-style deep dish pizza, like, let's go all day, every day. I love comfort. I love comfy beach chairs and yummy drinks. Like, I love all the things comfort. But I realize that I also really like comfort in my relationships. I love to know that relationships that I have between my kids and my wife, my friends, that we're Gucci, we're good. Like there's not going to be problems. There's not going to be conflict. And as I thought about my love for comfort, I had this aching in my heart that like 
there was more going on, that it wasn't just comfort. And so I began exploring, okay, God, show me what else is going on here. And I discovered rather quickly again that underneath that comfort or connected to the comfort for me was security. See, for me, I I learned that comfort is almost always directly connected to security. I want to feel safe. I want to know that everything's going to be okay. And so what do I do? Well, I often go and find it for myself because that's a lot easier than waiting on God. See, I run and open the fridge and find the drink that numbs that fear just a little bit or I open that app because checking out is a lot easier than checking in. Or I manipulate the people around me so that I feel wanted and needed, cementing my value. See, for me, I'm I'm someone who seeks comfort because I want to feel safe, but maybe that doesn't resonate with you. Maybe a different idol is approval. Maybe that resonates more. Or maybe control. Or maybe success. If you've been around Missio for some time, you probably are familiar with the four G's and the four idols. Right? God is good. God is great, so we don't have to be in control. God is glorious, so we don't have to fear the approval of others. God is good, so we don't have to look elsewhere for comfort. And God is gracious, so we don't have to prove our success. Take a minute and let those sink in. Look at those. And see which one resonates. Say, I often believe the lie that I need to look elsewhere for comfort. I I need to look elsewhere because I'm believing that lie that God isn't really good. It's one thing to proclaim it with my lips. It's another to believe that deep in my heart. And maybe one of those four doesn't resonate and there's a different idol that you fall prey to. Or maybe you want to go for the grand slam and you're like me and all four hit sometimes. But I'd encourage you to dig beneath the surface of those idols. See what else is maybe going on. See, the good news is that when we identify the idols of our hearts, it's an invitation to repent and come back to God. All right, verse four and five say, for great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. He is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of nations are idols, but the Lord made the heavens. But the Lord made the heavens. See, there's this reminder in this psalm that God, our God, made the heavens, right? And you contrast that with what our idols can do. And what our idols can do is so little compared to what God did, right? By creating everything. I love that contrast. The message translates those two verses like this. His furious beauty puts the other gods to shame. Pagan gods are mere tatters and rags. You see, the invitation is to return to God when we run to our idols. To come back to him and confess that we continue to choose the same thing over him. Psalm 96 invites us to repent. That's the first invitation that I noticed as I read this psalm. A second invitation that comes out of this psalm is from verses 1, 2, and 3. Sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. 
Sing to the Lord, praise his name. Proclaim his salvation day after day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous deeds among all peoples. I think Psalm 96 also reminds us it's an invitation to remember. This psalm reminds us to sing his name, right? To proclaim his salvation, to declare his deeds. See, when we take time to remember what God has done, it allows us to anchor ourselves in the true story. And one practice that I've been doing since January was journaling uh, either in the morning or evening every day. And while I haven't been entirely consistent with it, I have noticed that it's really helped me process all the good gifts I have. It's helped me be more aware of what's going on in me, around me, and through me. Uh, About a week ago, my wife and I celebrated our wedding anniversary. And something we've done the last couple of years is pull out uh, some wedding photos and just kind of have them out on the table and the kids look through them with us during that day. Actually, they're scrapbooks. I think the only two scrapbooks we own. But we have these wedding scrapbooks that we just kind of leave out on the table. And most of the time, uh, the kids are just sort of like bashing me like, dang, you got bags now. You didn't have bags under your eyes then. Or, oh, you've really gained some weight, Dad. Or, oh, you didn't have gray hair then. Uh, So it's mostly that. But once I have a good cry, uh, we, (laughs) it's all accurate. Um, But as we look through the photos, uh, there's all these memories that kind of come flooding back, right? There's so many little details, uh, specifically around a wedding day or even anything that happens 14 years ago that you forget, right? The arrangement of the flowers, the shoes you were wearing, the people that were there with you for the ceremony, uh, the dance floor, which was my nightmare. Um, All of those little details, right, come flooding back through the photos, right? A much clearer picture, starts to take place. And looking back at those pictures, right, there was such a stronger connection to that day 14 years ago that we celebrated. And for our kids, it helps actually paint a picture of something that's just abstract to them. See, there's power in remembering. Remembering the details of the story that we're called into. And if you've been around Missio, you're familiar with these six symbols. This is what we call the true story of the world. Right, that in the beginning... God created all things good, right, and beautiful. But we mess that all up in the garden and continue to be disobedient and people that chose our own way over God's. That God then chose a people to carry out his mission on earth to restore all things, but they continue to fail. So God sent his son Jesus to live, die, and resurrect so that we may be welcomed into the family. And now as we live and breathe. We long and wait for the day, right? We partner with God as he will one day restore all things to a newer and better version that Jake mentioned earlier, restoration. See, when we remember the deeds that God has done and the story that we're a part of, it helps us recalibrate, helps us reorient to the story that we're actually living in, right? Much like when we pull out those photos and reminds us of where we started. The true story anchors us in the story that we find ourselves in. It reminds us that God is for us and that we have a part to play. And most importantly, that we are not the main character that he is. So God invites us to repent. 
he invites us to remember. And a third invitation from this psalm comes from the last three verses, 11, 12, and 13. Let me read them one more time. Verse 11, let the heavens rejoice, let the earth be glad, let the sea resound and all that is in it. Let the fields be jubilant and everything in them. Let all the trees of the forest sing for joy. Let all creation rejoice before the Lord for he comes, he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples in his faithfulness. There's a beautiful imagery that's taking place in these last three verses, right? It's almost like creation is coming together to sing praises to God, right? The fish, the trees, the forest, everything in the sea, the fields, the heavens, all of creation's worshiping God. It's a beautiful picture. And as I sat with this psalm, uh, I often found myself reading it out on our patio. And our in our backyard, we have uh, our patio kind of goes around and it's right next to my favorite tree in our backyard. And our favorite tree is a lemon tree. I love our lemon tree. I love it for a lot of reasons. I probably love it a little too much if I'm going to be honest with you guys. But let me explain some of the reasons why I love our, our lemon tree. In the winter, for those of you who have been around Arizona, you know this, right? Citrus trees give off these beautiful flowers that have this amazing fragrance. Uh, they do cause me to sneeze quite a bit, but it's like a, I'm willing to deal with it because it's such a good smell, right? Beautiful flowers in the, in the winter. And then as, as the seasons transition, transition and we move into spring, you start to see these little tiny baby lemons, right? And within weeks, they're starting to double, triple, quadruple in size. And then as summer comes, they start turning from green to yellow, bright, vibrant color. And then early winter, it's picking season. Pull them down, throw them in a drink, Make some lemon bars. It's a good gift that just keeps on giving. I love my lemon tree. And as I read this psalm over and over, my mind kept coming back to the lemon tree. And in many ways, I think that my lemon tree taught me a lot about rejoicing and praising God. So the first thing I learned from our lemon tree was that at times, most of the time, it is better at praising God than I am. Every day I went outside and sat by that lemon tree, it was doing exactly what God intended it to do. It was soaking up the water in the soil. It was soaking up the sunshine. It was producing fruit. It was producing beauty. It was providing shade to parts of the tree that needed it. It was allowing parts of the tree to die to create room for new growth. It was being obedient to what God called it to do. The Spirit convicted me about how much I can complicate things sometimes. And I think the challenge that he put on me was to find ways to praise him with my lips, my mind, my heart, my body, much like my lemon tree does. Right? I have a lot to learn from my lemon tree. And I love how the psalm talks about all of creation. There's this obedience that creation has to our God. And I think that there's an invitation for us to remember to rejoice, much like creation does. Much like the psalm said, the sea resounding, the fields, all the trees, rejoicing and praising him. May we be a people who rejoice often, 
who find ways to praise God for how he's provided for us, how he's forgiven us, how he's shown grace to us, and how he's invited us to have a seat at the table with him. Five months is a long time to sit with one piece of scripture. I think all in all, I probably read this psalm upwards of 200 times. And I don't say that as a flex. I say that as a, uh, I think oftentimes the Spirit is constantly speaking. And what I learned in five months of sitting with one piece of text is that oftentimes it's not the Spirit that's not speaking, it's me who's not listening. Uh, The things that the Spirit spoke of remembering to rejoice and praise Him, of remembering the story that I'm in and a part of, and remembering to repent are really simple things. It didn't probably take me very long to hear those things from the Spirit, uh, but I found myself really not listening very often. And so I think the invitation tonight is maybe not all three you're feeling, but the invitation is to repent if you feel like there is an idol, control, approval, security, comfort, to bring that to God, repent. Or maybe you just need to remember which story you're a part of, that you have an integral role in helping bring about the kingdom of God, that God wants to partner with you in the spaces that you live, work, and play. And maybe you just need to rejoice tonight to remember, praise God for all that he's given you, all that he's done, the ways that he's shown up for you. Monsieur, as we move to the table, I want to read one more verse from Psalm 96. And I forgot to write down which verse. Give me one second here. There it is. In in Psalm 96, there's a verse that says, God is a God of all people. God is a God of all people. Saying it's a really important thing and it's really easy to miss that, but to remember that God is a God of all people, not just God of Israel, Right? Not because, uh, because of what we've done or what we haven't done, but God is a God that invites us to the table because he is a good God who offers grace and love. And so, Missio, because of the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus tonight, we are welcome to the table. We are welcome to participate in this meal tonight. And because of God, right, we long and wait for that day of restoration. He invites us in the meantime to repent, to remember the story we're living in, and to rejoice like creation rejoices. Mm-hmm.